Welcome to the Satori Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Kovar. The title of today's podcast is The Importance of Sleep. It's actually an interview I did with Dr. Stephen Moriarty. Uh, Dr. Moriarty spent a couple of decades at the Stanford Research Institute where he studied sleep and the biomarkers of brain function. He's an incredibly intelligent guy and really brings a, a lot of uh, common sense and science to the importance of getting enough rest. And so what I'd like you to do, by the way, another thing about this is that uh, I'm going to call him Steve because he's my good friend. We went to high school together. We actually graduated from Sacramento Waldorf in 1978 and we started the school the same day in the middle of our freshman year. So we've been friends for literally 45 years and a really an amazing gentleman. I think you're going to find this really valuable. So here you go. Hello, Enjoy. everyone. Welcome to the Satori Lifestyle Podcast. My name is Dave Kovar, and I'm your host, and I'm really excited about today's interview. I'm interviewing Dr. Steve Moriarty. He's a neuroscientist who uh, spent his year with the last several decades with Stanford Research Institute, and he's studied uh, sleep and, and the biomarkers of brain function. Did I get that right, Steve? All right, and but more importantly, uh, or, or on another note, Steve's also a good friend of mine. We went to high school together, and actually, we started at we both graduated from Sacramento Waldorf School in 1978, and we actually started the middle of the freshman year on the fa- same day of school. So uh, no, that, I think that was like January 3rd, 1975, or something. So that's 45 years. Right. So on top of going to school together, uh, you know, we've stayed in, t- in contact all these years, and uh, so I'm kind of curious. I'd like you to kind of give an overview of the importance of sleep what are people doing wrong and what they can do better well that's a big question (laughs) it's everything right there right it's uh you know sleep is uh one of these things that uh you know science is actually we've had really good scientists studying it for many decades a long time and for most other fields uh having you know the intensity of research around it we've found uh deeper answers than we are have been able to with sleep uh, now, I don't want to minimize what we know about it. We know a lot of fu- functions with sleep that are associated, that are important, but there's a some sort of a very core key function that we haven't fully understood yet that makes it necessary for life. So there's many things about sleep that's, that, um, that, are, that make it uh, – it's a very important part of the processes in your body – for anything from your cognitive processes and learning and memory and emotional processing, uh, energy balance and weight regulation, recovery from injury, recovery from illness, preventions of illness, and uh, able to recover quickly from uh, working out and such. There's a super so many things that become very important, and why that is is a is a is a is a topic we can go into. We know that, but none of those things are the absolute necessary thing for for life that sleep is apparently needed for. Because you die if you don't get it, and it's and it's and it's homeostatically regulated the way things are, like energy balance. So if you don't eat enough food, if you end up starving yourself, you'll die. If you right. don't, you know, don't bring in water, and then, and sleep is regulated in the same part of the brain with with many of the same neurons that these functions are are regulated by, that energy balance is regulated by. So there's a there's a lot associated with it. I'm sorry, but but a key the, the very key function of why we why sleep evolved in nature, this very the state where you're very vulnerable in nature. And yet it's necessary right. for just for all animal life and maybe even plant life. I mean that's another topic, but it's it seems to be necessary for life in some core way that we still have not quite 
uncovered. So is it is it true? It seems like more and more people are aware this was something that maybe a couple of decades ago, like I, I gotta be I gotta say I've been guilty of priding myself with not getting enough sleep. You know, I, I only got four hours sleep the last three nights in a row, you know, as I'm sucking down extra caffeine to make it through the day. Uh and, and that and of course we've been hearing that forever. Somehow I think I don't know if everybody does it or it's just Americans. We pride ourselves on our ability to not get enough sleep. But it seems like there's a trend now. That, that that generally speaking, science is moving toward really towards really acknowledging the value of it. Is is that is that true or is that just my perception? No, it's absolutely true, Dave. You've you've really nailed it because there has been uh over the past two decades uh just a wave of different studies from multiple fields that uh you know that didn't necessarily start off as a sleep thing, you know, so like uh, uh immune function, people from the immune function field uh, you know, it serendipitously found how important sleep was towards the immune system. And so then that initiated a whole wave of research relating sleep and the immune system, and there's been a lot known about that. At the same time, there's been a, a huge amount of research going on with energy balance and, and, and uh, uh, the epidemic of obesity and type 2 diabetes and how that became uh, associated with, with the lack of sleep. And, and in all these fields, there's been like these waves of research all kind of happening over the past two decades. And the fruition of all that research is saying, wow, we've been screwing ourselves pretty badly in a lot of ways by not valuing sleep. And that's been the bottom line. I think that's what you're perceiving is that there's a change in the value of sleep for society. We have not valued sleep and have minimized it and tried to wish we could not do it, find ways to get out of it. You know, be we're macho to not be right. able to, to sleep less, and that has actually counters your ability to be macho because you're much stronger with enough sleep. It's amazing because you know they are, they are you can sleep when you're dead. Like I'm, I've been guilty of that, and I've been totally guilty of priding myself and telling people I don't really need eight hours sleep. I, you know, and and kind of knowing that I do, and that, and also the difference is when you get a good night's sleep. You know it, like you wake up and it's a whole different world. Yeah, yeah. So take me through, like, like, uh, how does it relate to? You gave a bunch of different things, but how about like weight loss? Why? How did? What's the connection there? Yeah, that's a really important one. Um, that really uh, uh, the the increase in obesity in our country. Uh, you know, mo- most of the time when you hear about what's associated with it, it's. Uh, uh, the popular media often puts it in context with increased fast food and and, uh, and high fats, but there's a much closer relationship between the increase in our sugar intake, first off. So there's a diet part of it that's there. Uh, with sugar intake seems to be the biggest thing towards, a uh, biggest food thing that we have that's associated with this obesity epidemic. And increase in sugar also really affects the beta cells in your body, and that's where uh, the type of the diabetes comes in. You become insulin resistant, insulin resistant, and so and, that's where the diabetes are. That's the one-two punch of obesity and diabetes, and that's about this overeating, not just of calories, but sugar, or, you know, simple carbohydrates, right? And- and if I'm sleep deprived, then all of a sudden in the afternoon, man, what am I craving? I'm craving sugar, right? So that's part of the reason yes. why I, I might eat, eat not as good. Well, you, you nailed it, and that's what. And so, what? Where does a lot of this uh, this overeating of sugar come from? Its availability is one thing, but it turns out our body has built-in regulation of of different hormones that happen to be really regulated by the sleep-wake cycle. And so, there's a there's a hormone called ghrelin, 
that is a uh, it's a uh, um, it's an appetite in uh, in activating hormone. It makes you want to eat, makes you hungry. And there's another hormone that's the balance of that that's called leptin, which is an appetite suppressing hormone. It turns out when you get enough sleep, you have a downregulation of the ghrelin, the appetite hung, the hunger hormone, and an upregulation of the appetite suppressing hormone. So if you're sleep deprived, it's just the opposite. You have an unnatural balance in, uh, elevation of the hunger hormone, and and your and your satiety hormone is suppressed. And so you're craving food. You're craving. To, you're wanting to eat, even though you don't have an energy need. You don't need more energy. You don't need more food. So you're eating more than you need because your body's telling you you're hungry. It's not. It's not. It's not you're just. You're not just weak. I mean, you're really getting the signals there. Yeah, and to make it worse, when you are sleep deprived, there's a there's other uh, there's some gut hormones that are also upregulated that actually feed back onto the brain into the reward centers of the brain that make you crave things that are rewarding. Which in food terms, it's the sugars, and so mm-hmm. your your body is primed to eat, and your brain is telling you to eat sugar and simple carbohydrates, and so you're not only overeating, you're overeating the wrong foods. So that's where this huge amount, this huge association with the obesity epidemic and our and our lack of sleep and our our lack of valuing sleep has come to 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 really hurt our society. You know, and it's such a complicated issue because part of that is like you know screen time too late at night. I mean, so let's just talk a little. About uh, before we go into some some things we can do better, t- do the tie in for like. Uh, how how does it help the body recovery? So so let's say I, I'm an athlete. Where yeah. does that come into play that I need more sleep uh, to, to perform better? Yeah, that's that's really important because um, well, there's there's a there's a few things that we know really well, and there's other things we haven't found exact answers for, but empirical evidence shows that there's a strong association. So I'll talk a little bit about both of those. First off, there's this. A really strong relationship between certain kind of pro-inflammatory signals and sleep. So when you're sleep deprived, you have an elevation of these pro-inflammatory signals running throughout the body. And these pro-inflammatory signals are things like interleukins and prostaglandins and uh, you know what the names don't, don't oh, matter. Yeah, interleukin- but, <laughs> so, oh yeah, interleukins. But what what they do is they uh, they have two effects. Number one, it affects the immune system. So the immune system uh, is is sort of suppressed by these factors. So your resistance for disease uh, to fight disease is down, and your resistance to recover from disease is is is, is decreased. So you'll take longer to recover from from disease. But at the same time, those same factors uh, uh, inhibit muscle repair. So if you've had an intense workout, you have a lot of little micro fibers that have you know taken a beating, and it takes some time to to build those up, and they get built up even better. That's part of how exercise works. Well, these pro-inflammatory signals counter that, and it's slower. So your recovery from a, a really hard workout takes longer than it would if you had if you didn't have these these pro-inflammatory signals surrounding your muscles. So I kind of look at this, uh, you know, from for me when I was younger, it was all about you know martial arts. That was my focus, and fitness was 
you know, part of that. And then health was somewhere down the line. Like, you know, first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna train. I don't care if I'm tired or injured, I'm gonna train. And then as I aged a little bit, it became, I, I switched fitness before martial arts. Like I realized, okay, I gotta be fit. That's gonna allow me to train in martial arts more. But as I, now I'm to the point to where health for me is part of my martial arts journey. And I'm realizing that a big chunk of that is 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 the sleep component. So I, I guess what I'm saying is, is if in doubt, you wanna be in good shape and you're thinking, uh, I didn't get good enough sleep last night. That's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna work out on no rest. Maybe a better idea would be no. Instead of working out today, get those two extra hours sleep. Is is that maybe a, a easy way to say it? Well, it would be self-serving for me to say it was that simple, Dave. But okay. I, I we don't we don't understand at that level. We have over overarching associations, and and at any one given instance, it's not necessarily that clear. But we we know that. It's a balance between those, right? You don't want to sleep your way out of giving yourself the opportunity to exercise. That wouldn't be a good point because you need the exercise as well. It's not that sleep is more important than everything else. Right. But it's something to not minimize. And that's the the, the main point is that as a society, we have just trivialized sleep. We've minimized it. We've made it into something bad. (laughs) And so you want to not do it. So it not it doesn't mean to I don't mean to put down anything else. Healthy eating is super important. Healthy thinking is very important. Exercise these are very important things. You know, so it's kind of like positive it's all of it. It's a hundred. It's a hundred percent sleep. It's a hundred percent exercise. It's a hundred percent diet. Meaning they're all important. Yes, I got it. They're it's all like important, it's right? Important. It's just sleep is one of those things that have been not appreciated. It now needs to be. You really should consider it if you really want the optimal performance and optimal health. Which brings me to the next question. And when it comes to performance, you know, like like when you're sleep deprived, they, that messes with your reaction time. I mean, uh, how does that affect my ability to perform at a high level? Yeah, uh, there there's two veins of of research on this. One is uh, looking at at high level athletes who are sleep deprived and, you know, who they'll, they'll have a baseline performance and then they'll sleep restrict these high level athletes and then try and have them do the same kinds of tests. There's that line of research. And there's another one, which is, to me is even more interesting is that they'll take high level athletes under who are, are not super sleep deprived, getting a regular amount of sleep, you know, whatever that is, maybe, maybe it isn't the right amount of sleep, but there it's a, you know, seven hours a night or something like that. And then they'll go through a, an experimental period of extended sleep. They'll they'll impose, they'll say, okay, for the next week, you're going to just stay in bed for 10 hours and get as much sleep as you want. You're allowed to sleep as much as you want. And, you know, you know, we encourage you to sleep the whole time, but at least stay in bed for 10 hours. And then they'll do performance tests on them. And it's so remarkable how even high, these are high-level athletes. It's not people like me. More like you, Dave. <laughs> I mean, people are high-level athletes who uh, are, you know, young college level, like, like division one basketball teams and, uh, you know, triathletes and such who are, are really well trained that their performance always goes down when you sleep restrict them. But what I found more interesting is how much your, their uh, uh, athletic performance improved in these division one college athletes who were not sleep, not, not sleep restricted by our societal means but when they extended their sleep, how their performance went up. I mean, really and, and it's it's and it's really remarkable because it went up in in measurable ways. I mean, you can't measure how someone's going to 
um, you know, perform in a game. So that's what that, that's not the measurement. They would do things like free, uh, shoot free throws for for this t- team and shoot three pointers and do certain drills. And they would do certain drills like the um, uh, they did sprints. You know, they go back and forth and sprints and whatnot. And their times improved. And so on these real measurable ways, their performance was enhanced, or their at least their physical performance was enhanced. And, so, and I find that remarkable because these are already func- – they're, high, they're super high-level functioning athletes. Yeah, so it, you know, is, a coach's job, it's, you don't hear about a coach saying, hey, players, go home, make sure to get some sleep. Maybe you do a little bit, but, but that's like – that's a super important aspect of it then. You know, it's just like, okay, make sure to – it's interesting you say 10 hours. So not that they need 10 hours of sleep, but what's that doing? That's, ma- that's making sure they're probably going to get what their body needs. That was the point, I think, of the experimental protocol was to to present the opportunity to get whatever the body needs, right? I mean, that's we, we don't do that. We we set our our sleep wake schedule based upon our lives, not on the environment, right? So it's a big difference. If you just you're sitting in bed and you can sleep, then you might sleep longer than you think you, than you would. So my sense is if you go back a couple hundred years before electricity was invented and, you know, you kind of rose with the, the sun and went to bed with the sun, this wasn't big of an issue. What is, you know, modern technology, that's probably contributed to the lack, the lack of sleep. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no, no question about it. Uh, not just even that modern, but electric lights itself is where it kind of started to go awry. But certainly all the, all the sources of light that we have, uh, the screens and such have really uh, elevated that uh, because our it, it turns out light is probably the strongest uh, time setter. It's a, something called a zeitgeber. It's a time giver. It's it's what kind of influences our circadian clock. Okay. And sleep is not a circadian. It's not a, it's not part of the circadian system, but the circadian system helps regulate sleep. And okay. so it organizes it. That's why, you know, in a 24-hour period, we need a certain amount of sleep. It isn't that we need eight hours at night. That's just the way humans are regulated. There are some animals that sleep in the day. There's some that are corpuscular, that are awake at dusk and dawn. And there are things like cats that sleep all the time, <laughs> whatever, right? They have a different circadian rhythm or a different circadian influence on their sleep-wake cycle. But the need is not about, is not a, the need for sleep is not circadianly regulated. Got it. Well, before we switch to some things we can do better, what what are some other like right now we've talked about it, how, you know, it affects your, uh, uh, you know, your your weights, it affects your performance and athletic and probably mental acuity. What are some other things that we know that uh, that sleep deprivation uh, causes? Yeah, there's there's uh, two other general categories. One is you just touched on cognition, memory and learning. That's I think. That's, that's probably the easiest for most people to understand because I think almost anyone who's experienced staying up all night, sleep deprivation, know they're not at their best cognitively. Know right. they you know, they aren't. And, and, uh, and that goes back into things even as simple as reaction time. So we know now that a night of sleep deprivation, uh, if you are t- to go through the battery of, of scientific tests about your reaction time and whatnot, you function at an equivalent level as being legally drunk. Wow. So you're impaired. It's just you don't know it. You don't think so. I mean, and even even when, you're, when, you're, when you have alcohol, you know, think of how many people you've heard say, I'm fine. I can drive. They really do feel fine. But you know they're not. And, and you, you can't see that with someone who's sleep deprived. But they are actually just as much of a risk of causing an accident as someone who's been drinking. 
And this is why there's been a big awareness by uh, certain governmental agencies saying, you know, sleepy driving is like buzz driving. I don't, you know, so there's a, there's an awareness and it's starting to get into, into public policy that, you know, it's not going to be able to, you can't regulate that, right? There's not going to be in a test, right? I don't know. It's not like there's going to be laws, but just bringing it to the awareness of the public is important. So that's one aspect of it. The other one is with emotional regulation. And this one is huge. And it's so important actually for adolescents uh, because there's this, there's a very strong component with being able to, uh, with your affect and to regulate emotional behavior that's associated with sleep. Um, when someone is sleep deprived, they're much more likely to be uh, able to get triggered by something they wouldn't be triggered by, uh, hmm. emotionally triggered if they hadn't been sleep deprived. And and for younger kids, this is super important because they don't have the uh, uh, as much of the prefrontal cortex to control their behavior the way uh, us adults do. And so I actually saw this video just just yesterday, it was really hilarious. It showed these two little boys sitting next to the other, and one was, uh, they were about five years old, about, you know, so they're pretty young. And one was drawing a picture, and this is fine. And the other one is sitting next to him just bawling, just crying for nothing. And, and, the, and the boy who's drawing his picture just keeps drawing and says, what's wrong? And the little boy is crying, I don't know. And then the boy goes, well, did you take your nap? And the and the other one goes no, <laughs> and says, well, "Why don't you go take your nap?" I don't want to. <laughs> and it was just bawling, and and it was basically because he hadn't had his nap, and he was just too tired. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You know, it's funny. Yeah, I I, I I was talking with Betty Staley, uh, you know, our our class sponsor, you know, a couple weeks back, and she was talking about the big issue that, that they are seeing in the educational field where where kids are coming to school sleep deprived and they're not performing as well and they're having meltdowns. And I guess that's what you're talking about right there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a very important. So sleep is, and why is it important for all these things? We're, we are learning that there are certain things that happen in sleep that, that, that are, uh, that, you know, can happen in wakefulness, but it's much more intense in sleep. And one of the main things that we're finding right now and we're really going, a lot of the scientists are going down this road to see if it's the answer that we've been looking for. And it's something called synaptic pruning. Uh, what does that mean? So our, 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 our brain works by connections and, and one neuron talking to a number of other neurons and talking back to each other with different signals. And the way they communicate are at these little things called uh, 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 boutons, or terminal boutons, little, little connections. And these connections form a lot. They're forming all the time. <clears throat> and it's, and if, we, if we didn't prune back some of these connections, our brain would just be 100% connections and it would be dysfunctional. So a really important part about learning, and learning I don't just mean about us being conscious of learning, but learning associations in the brain is, is you know, all the, is, is forming connections. <clears throat> and it's very important that some of these connections are paired back are pruned, turned away, and the, and the specific ones that are important are enhanced and strengthened. And apparently this pruning process, is sleep is critical for this, and that's where a huge amount of this synaptic pruning occurs. And without it, you start getting just too much information and too many signals, and networks become dysfunctional. And adolescents are going through huge changes in their limbic systems, their emotional systems, and so they're, not, they're, they're needing this a lot more uh, at, at that time. And so even one period of not getting to sleep 
you know, there's been brain functions that are that are causing dissonance inside of them that are heightening activity, and so they're at a heightened emotional level, and that's what can happen without without enough sleep for these kids. And the same thing happens for you and I, but we have other processes that have matured to help us temper it, so we 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 handle it better. But the same processes do occur. Interesting. Well, man, so this is like the bottom line is, is that we need to take uh, the amount of sleep. We need to take rest seriously. And it's something that we shouldn't be ashamed of the fact that we're, that we want a good, a good night's sleep that we sleep, you know, sometimes, you know, someone will be, yeah, don't tell anybody that I sleep about nine hours. And so you kind of look like they're, they're not lazy because they're doing this, right? If that's what their body needs. Okay. That's really important. And, and it's something I need to be reminded about. Uh, so let's let's switch gears now and let's talk about so we understand the, the importance of, of getting enough rest and how it affects the bodily functions on so many different levels. So what are some things that someone can do to kind of set themselves up for success? Yeah, yeah that's really important. And um, there's a couple of things that are, are that are probably the most common things that people do that you should become aware of as probably they're not good for your sleep. Um, number one is, you know, having your bedroom have lots of light in it, which usually means screens, <laughs> right? So uh, you want lots of light to function during the day or whenever you want it on, but when it's time for sleep, you really don't want any lights on there. And so a lot of people use their bed for, uh, you know, they come in and they'll finish their paperwork and, and they'll do work and such, <clears throat> And that can cause a disruption of their sleep right, right there. That's, that's their, it's decreasing their sleep time because they're using the time that they're in bed. They'll say, oh, I go to bed at 10 o'clock every night. But then they're working for a couple of hours in front of a screen on their computer. And so they aren't sleeping anywhere near. Or the, they're you know, watching TV. Or they're watching, or watching TV. TV. That's, yeah, absolutely. And so not only are you not sleeping, but you're forming associations with doing things that isn't sleep in your bed. Your brain works that way whether you like it or not. That's it's The associations are being formed. And you're having light being shined on you, which is suppressing the – which is changing your circadian rhythms and your clock and saying, oh, it's still not time to go to bed. So – it's it's you're you're making your clock it's called delayed so that your your clock is wanting to tell you to go to sleep later and later but your time you got to get up is the same right you got to get up to go to work got to get up get your kids ready go to school all those things are the same so the later you go to sleep the less sleep you're going to get because you're going to get up on time uh, and uh, so that's one thing the other thing is this idea that you can catch up on sleep on the weekends this is a really important uh, miss this is misinformation. <clears throat> So the, the idea of catching up on lost sleep, that might actually be something that is possible to some degree, but over a long period of time. <clears throat> you can't catch up in one night, especially if you've been chronically sleep deprived. And the worst thing you do, you can do to your sleep-wake patterns is what we most of us do on the week, weekends versus the week, is that you know during the week we tend to go to bed earlier and get up earlier and then on the weekends we want to stay up and party and go out have friends and stay up later but then we can sleep in mm-hmm. and so we when we get up first thing in the morning that's a, that is the the single most important time setting signal for your for your circadian rhythms right so if i sleep in till 10 my circadian clock is saying oh 10 o'clock is when he's supposed to wake up and then your 24 hour rhythm has been shifted that direction and, and in that matter. And then Monday morning comes along, and it's the worst thing because you, you're, you've done that for a couple nights in a row, and suddenly, oh, i got to get back up at 6 here, and that, your body is fighting you. 
So basically what I want to be doing, and it's good because I love hearing this because I'm an early riser and I, I am on weekends as well, is that we should really pretty much have a set time we get up seven days a week to the best of our ability and also yeah. preferably when we go to bed as well for as, as the best we possibly can. Best. Yeah. So, so mean, when, you know, when I, when I go to bed, I, I, I go to my room, I, I'm going there to sleep. That's Or to have adult activities. Okay. Adult <laughs> activities and sleep. Those are the two things we do. Okay. I got it. That's I want to use the bed for. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for the clarification there. So, <laughs> let, let's, uh, so what about, you know, like I've got my alarm clock that's got like the red light on it. Uh, probably even little things like that can affect it. I'm guessing. Uh, it can. Those generally are pretty small. Uh, okay. And, you know, um, the, and it's, it's actually blue light is the thing that our that our circadian clock is the most affected by our our suprachiasmatic nucleus is is a really has a uh, has a direct connection with receptors in your eye that see blue light and it's uh, you know that's you know all light can affect affect it but I mean uh, red light is the least affecting uh, effect and blue light's the strongest and white light has all the spectrum of light so that's why it, it works so well. Got it. And so another thing, like what I do is I take a notepad with me. Uh, and so what will happen, and I'm not always do I take a notepad with me to bed, but at the end of the day, what I do is uh, I write down anything that's on my mind. First off, I kind of, I have a habit of reviewing the day. It's my way of hopefully becoming, gaining wisdom over time, right? I try to remember what I learned that day. It's not working real well, but I'm trying. And, uh, and then, uh, oh, but then what I do is if I got some issue, a lot of times if I don't do this, it's I'm try, I've got I'm uh, I'm having a hard time sleep because I'm oh I got to remember to do this in the morning oh I got to remember to call this person. So what I try to do is take all that and put it on paper. It's kind of like it's a nice ritual that kind of gets it out of my head, then allows me kind of to, to sleep uh, what easier. Is, is that is that make sense? Oh, uh, it's super smart, Dave. I mean, you've really nailed something so important that you know as we talked about this before, how how important it is to give yourself the space to prepare for bed before you get in bed. And that's one of those things. Like a lot of us do that. Have lots of things are going on in your brain and you're thinking about it and thinking about what, what happened today and, oh, that means I've got to do this tomorrow. Just what you said. I mean, you putting it down on paper is fantastic. But even if you don't put it down on paper, try and process that information in your whatever way you need to. Write it down on paper. Just think about it. Talk it out with your partner. Whatever it is you need to do. Try and do that before you get in, in bed and give, you this, give yourself the space and the time to, to do that kind of processing ritual that you need before you get in bed because that is actually one of the main sources of, of the largest kind of a, of a very big uh, type of insomnia, which is called sleep onset insomnia, meaning people having a hard time going to sleep. Well, once they do get to sleep, they can sleep fine. They'll stay asleep. Uh, the other kind of insomnia is sleep maintenance insomnia, where they're able to go to sleep well, but then they wake up in the middle of the night and they can't get back to sleep. That's me. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's that's one. But but sleep onset insomnia. So much of it is about the the spinning mind before you while you're in bed, and you just sit there in bed and you start you know thinking about all these things, and they just feed on each other, and it's a vicious circle, and you're not going to sleep, and all you're doing is spending your time thinking about uh, stuff. And so, uh, one of the strategies that you, you're taught. Or if you have that kind of insomnia, if you don't want to take, especially if you don't want to take sleep medication, which I don't recommend most of the time, uh, is to try and give yourself space to process things and to, you know, think things through and just don't go to bed until your mind, until you feel like your mind is ready. So, but what you said, it's really important. So you want to associate the bed with sleep. 
or adult activity. So meaning that that you uh like you you wait until you're tired. Is that or or do I eventually maybe the association is going to be even if I'm not that tired, I hop in bed. I naturally think rest because that's what I associate the the bed with. Absolutely, yeah. <clears throat> I mean that's the it's it's ideal if you can try and have a habitual bedtime, right? That's that's what's important. And, and work to develop a routine so that that habitual bedtime, it works for you. I mean, you know, you're, you're ready for bed at that time. Uh, but sometimes it, it's important to have rituals before that. So it might only be 15 minutes or 30 minutes beforehand where you know that I'm really going to, you know, methodically think through my day and think about what I'm going to do tomorrow and get it out of my head and feel good that I'm ready for sleep, whatever that takes. It's, it is an individual thing, Dave. It's, there's no one size fits all on many of these kinds of things. So I don't want to I don't want to mislead you or any of your, of your listeners. But so give me give me a sense of the importance of dreaming or or how that comes into play. We haven't really touched on that. And my what I, I remember hearing or reading is that if you have dreams, that means you're in a pretty deep level of sleep. Is that is that is is that not necessarily true or or you know. I, you know, give me some insight on, on the value of that or the importance of that. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't think we have a lot of uh, hard data on the value of, of dreams per se. But what we do know is that um, even people who don't remember their dreams, uh, we believe they dream. We believe it's, it's mentation that's going on in their head. And uh, there's a lot of activity in the brain. So one of the misnomers about sleep is that it's a it's just a down time. Your brain is just taking a break, and it couldn't be farther from the truth. Uh, it, it, on a on your on a neural on a brain level, sleep is a very specific state that is actively driven, and there are certain processes that happen in there, and act, and lots of activity happens while you're sleeping in your brain. It's just very different kinds of activity than when you're awake most of the time. And we have different stages of sleep. Um, the two large categories are non-REM sleep and REM sleep. And in the non-REM sleep category, we have a, um, some substages called slow-wave sleep or, or delta sleep. And it turns out that slow-wave sleep and delta sleep is the deepest sleep that we have. So if I was to try and wake you up while you're either in regular non-REM or slow-wave sleep or REM sleep, it's slow-wave sleep that's the hardest to wake you up from. Okay, and 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 we believe you dream in all states of sleep. Your your brain is, has lots of activities. So dream is a is is what is what we label something we remember when we wake up. So there are cognitive processes, mentations going on in our brain all the time. And so if you do wake up people from different states of sleep, they often remember their dreams. Now, what people often refer to as dream sleep is associated with REM sleep. Okay. Rapid eye movement sleep. And what's really interesting about REM sleep is when you're dreaming in REM sleep, it, your dreams are more vivid. There's, a diff, there's something different about what you're, how you're dreaming in REM sleep than when you're dreaming in non-REM sleep. Um, there are certain sleep disorders that you have, like night terrors, that come out of non-REM sleep and not REM sleep. So there's, there's things we don't fully understand about that, but the dreams are more vivid in REM sleep. Uh, they'd be more colorful, more active, you know, more activity, and they'd be more black and white and simple dreams and non-REM sleep is what people report when you wake them up. That's all we can go by is what people say they were doing. There's no way for us to decipher brain activity into whatever image that they're seeing in their brain, right? But 
we, we think that these associations are part of the, of the learning and memory processes that go on in the brain and the pruning of, of, of synapses. We think this is part of the process and that we know that sometimes there are patterns of activity that happen in wake the day before that are associated with a, a, a task that are being replayed in the brain. And so we think this is part of the learning and memory process. And we know that both types of sleep are important for different types of, of memory processes. So REM sleep is very important for some kinds of memory processes and consolidation of some kinds of memory. But non-REM sleep is important for other things. So there isn't one state over the other that we think is more important for learning and memory. Uh, and they, we dream in both states. But REM sleep is what people talk about as being, quote, dream sleep. But it is a bit of a misnomer because you sleep in other states as well. Okay, well, that's good to know. And selfishly, I have one more question for you. Uh, is that like my pattern, uh, hey, Doc, help me out here. No, uh, is, is that I tend to sleep very hard, but I wake up. And I know that because sometimes I wake up and there's, you know, drool on the side of my pillow, which means I probably was sleeping pretty hard, right? But I tend to wake up several times a night. Uh, it's just what I've done my whole adult life. Now, I tend to usually go back to bed but but I might wake up. I'm not exaggerating. I might wake up seven or eight times in an evening. That's not that's not uncommon. But I tend to sleep hard in between. I believe. Uh, am I fooling myself? Is there a problem with that, or or is that a way that 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 you can function? Uh, the answer is probably not. It's probably not a problem as long as you feel good at the end of the night. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that, it's that simple in some sense. Uh, but there's there's an aspect of that though that's this is this is good for people to know is that everyone wakes up multiple times every night. It's just most of the time people don't remember it. It's a brief arousal. But if you've, you're recording their brainwaves, you're doing EEG on them, that, that, wake up a bunch of times every night. Everyone does. It's just often very brief, and they don't remember it. Or they might remember waking up once or twice, and they've actually woken up seven or eight times. Okay. All right. So that's yeah, so, yeah, it could be fine. It just depends on how – I mean, if you can go right back to sleep, it's not a problem. It's if it's if it takes you 30, 45 minutes to go back to sleep every time, then you're not then you're getting pretty disrupted sleep. Okay, good to know. And of course, that happens to all of us from time to time. But for the majority, it's, it's pretty quick. That well, good man. Well, I really appreciate your time. And, and I've I've asked you some questions, but there's a lot I don't know uh, that maybe I don't know to ask. Is is there something in particular? Uh, you know, the people that, that listen to this podcast, it's across the board. Of course, there's a lot of martial arts, but there's not, there's just a lot of regular people, right? And, and, and so is there something uh, that, that we didn't cover that someone should know uh, uh, that, that, that we should bring up before we call it? Well, I don't, I think we covered a lot of topics, Dave. I think we covered all the main areas. I, you, you gave me the opportunity to at least to tell you the areas that I'm, I'm aware of where there's good association, which is important. But I do want to just reemphasize two things. Number one is th this devaluing of sleep that we have done as a society. Just become aware that that was a mistake, and we need to somehow reverse that mistake uh, through cultural awareness and uh, give each other slack to, to sleep where we instead of pressuring everyone not to sleep. Right. And this comes from jobs. It comes from schools. It comes from a lot of sources. I mean, I'm I'm very much a proponent of of not having high school start until later because we know very strongly about a developmental aspect of adolescence and teenagehood where they have a, a syndrome. It's called delays phase sleep syndrome. And they just, their clock, irrespective of the light cycle they get, for a large percentage of these teenagers, they have a shifting of their clock. And once they get you know into adulthood, it shifts back. 
And, but this is physiology. It's not their fault. They're not lazy. They're not, they can't go to sleep at night anymore. Their body is saying, giving them signals, you're not ready for sleep. And we're telling them, you got to get enough sleep because you got to get up by 6.30 to be ready to be at school by, you know, 8 o'clock and start your school. And school is starting too soon for those for those individuals. And so we're forcing them into something that they're fighting their body all the time. It's, and that's not their fault. So scientific awareness can help us on those on those fronts. So that's one thing, just to become aware that sleep is more valuable in a lot of topics. And I think that for, uh, you know, this, this, this podcast, people are high level functionings and are much more about their being in, in fitness, about fitness and, and taking better care of themselves. Uh, but in general, I'm more worried about the obesity and the and the lack of fitness and the feeding effects of of the lack of sleep because of how incredibly strong it has affected our society. And I mean, our country is just so obese, and the level of um, you know diabetes is incredible. I mean, I mean, it's literally we meet the definition for an epidemic for childhood obesity and childhood. Uh, diabetes, childhood. I'm not talking about the society. About children, our yeah. kids are obese, and that's just a, that's that's a sin. I mean, that's we we got to stop that. And part of that is being aware aware of what they eat, but we're also not letting you know we're letting them stay up playing video games until late at night and not getting enough sleep, or letting so, them take their phone into their room and we don't know it and they're sneaking under the covers. And <laughs> oh yes, I, my kids have been there. They're not allowed to, to do that now. <laughs> I bet they're not. Well, hey, man, I really appreciate your time. This has been really in, impactful and valuable, and I'm sure our listeners are going to uh, get a lot out of it. And, and uh, so uh, I, unless you have anything else to say, I think we'll wrap it, man. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Dave. I appreciate oh, it. My pleasure.